0: Welcome, welcome, welcome listeners to the Astoria Filmmakers podcast. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Jim Galizia.
1: Hi, I'm Victoria Fragnito. And today on our podcast, we're going to have Phil Capadora as our day player. Phil is the founder of the Astoria Filmmakers Club, or the AFC, the wonderful group that brings you this podcast. We're going to talk to him a little bit about how he got into acting and filmmaking. We're going to talk about the AFC. And we're also going to talk about his favorite movie, the movie he selected for us to watch, which is Rocky, which I'm glad he picked that one because I thought I had seen it, but I, if I recall correctly, first time I ever watched that movie, I was a little kid and it was some sort of marathon on TV. And I watched the first Rocky movie and it wasn't compelling to a little kid because it's a lot of talking, not a not a huge bunch of action until you get to the fight at the end of the film. So I would tell everybody, yeah, I've seen it. But in actuality, I didn't really see yeah. it and absorb the film. And so kid now I'm glad t- I got a chance t- to rewatch it.
0: The adult version of you needed to see it so yeah. you can appreciate it. Uh, because there is it's a really slow movie until they get to the fight scenes um which is great because it really shows the human side of these people sometimes you forget these guys that are fighting in like the MMA ring or like the WWE or something you know they're regular people they go home to their families and you know trying to live normal lives and then they also beat the shit out of each other (laughs) it's kind of like boxing too is one of the probably most intense sports out there because you can literally like People have died boxing. Yeah. Uh, And if you watch enough Rocky, if you watch that marathon, you'll see some people go out, uh, which is pretty crazy. And it's crazy. This franchise has been around forever.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, We're talking Rocky 1 came out in 1976. So it's just credit to Rocky. I I think it's got how many sequels? There's Rocky 4, Rocky 5, Rocky... Balboa, I guess, is Rocky Six, technically. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And then two Creed movies on top of that. Uh, So, you know, seven, eight movies later.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, But you gotta love Rocky. Um, It's a great movie. I love fight movies. I love any sports movies. I'm not a big sports fan myself. Like, I don't watch baseball. I don't watch basketball. But a good movie about it, still, I can appreciate because you know there's something about winning that you love yeah. mm-hmm. and i think that's the big twist of rocky is that everybody was like he's gonna win because like, you think like he's the hero of the movie and in the end he doesn't he split decision it's not about him winning it's about the fact that he can go the distance of it
2: mm-hmm.
0: and prove to everybody that he's not just some bum uh some loan shark guy who's like trying to break people's legs and stuff and thumbs Thumbs, I always forget. Thumbs, <laughs> legs. He's hurting people.
1: Right. Struggle,
0: <laughs> Uh And over the course of the film, he's trying to come to terms and you're realizing that this person is a good-hearted person doing bad things to get by. And yeah. What Do you have a favorite sports or fight movie or anything like that?
1: Um, well, I wouldn't say, I mean, I've seen fight movies. Um, like I've seen Southpaw and that kind of thing. But I think my favorite sports movie would be a toss-up, and it tends to be baseball movies, um, either Major League or Angels in the Outfield.
0: Those are both really good movies.
1: Yeah.
0: I got to say, my favorite sports movie is probably The Longest Yard because of how funny it is.
1: I actually haven't seen that one.
0: Oh, it's so good. It's, at, it's like the pinnacle, fo- it, just football and Adam Sandler. <laughs> mashed into one.:
1: uh, So you're thing. talking about the remake, not the original, with Burt yeah. Reynolds. Okay. Yes.
0: Because Burt Reynolds is in the second one. He's in the remake,
2: where mm-hmm. it's
0: just a comedy. I, I never saw the original. I assume the original's not a dumb comedy, like the one I'm talking about, but Burt Reynolds plays like the other coach in the new version. It's mm-hmm. Adam Sandler, and they basically took all the WWE actors and said you are all massive and terrifying let's put you in this movie and have you play football against each other and it's just those there's comedians in it there's Chris rock is in it it's a great movie it's so fun um yeah
1: well, you that, that, know, there's, there's something about sports movies especially because i would say probably nine out of ten sports movies the team that you're following their story they win whatever it is um but, you know, you still get excited at the end when they, you know, win the game and do the yeah. thing. You know, even though you know that it's coming, you still get swept up in it. And the emotion of it, you still are so invested in the story.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a scenario of, like, credit to the filmmakers who can make you feel like you're in it. Because if you if you feel like oh I'm a part of this, like I'm, I'm a part of this team or I'm involved in the story, you'll you'll be invested in the whole process of it, which is great. So yeah. when they finally get to the end and they win, you're like, We did it, but it's you know, it's not you.
1: <laughs> you weren't a part of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know it's interesting though, when I was um I was reading an article the other day and it was just about um when actors Really got hurt during uh, filming, and obviously a lot of the a lot of the times people were really like hit were during fight movies and boxing movies. Like in in Southpaw, um, Jake Gyllenhaal really went for it, and, and in the Rocky films too. Uh, you know, Sylvester Stallone had to make the call to like legitimately get hit in a lot of the the shots because there's a difference in when you do stage fighting and stage combat for theater and when, you, when you're when um, you creating violence for film, a lot of times because the camera is so close and it's so hard to fake those angles, you just can't.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely ways to do it. Uh, a good fight choreographer will tell you that's completely false and they have ways. <laughs> uh, but I don't know if back in 76, you know, fight choreography was not as developed as it probably is today. Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel like anybody who studies jujitsu for 20 minutes is like, I'm a fight choreographer. I can do anything. (laughs) Uh, But the basic cheat is that you're cheating the distance that the punch, let's just say it's a punch, and the Mm -hmm. person's face is. So the punch might go here. But the way the camera sees it is it's hitting. Yeah. I mean, it just depends on the angle and how you film it. And any fight scene you have, at least any fight scene that's well put together, you have to imagine that not only are they choreographing what punches to throw and blocks and the two people that are fighting each other are choreographing all that, there's camera choreography. Where's the camera going to be? How's the viewer going to see this? Because it might look cool from one angle, but the other angle you're going to see, oh, they're not even hitting each other. Um, I just watched a movie on Netflix called Extraction with Chris Hemsworth. And the fight choreography in that is bananas. Like, I think at one point, Chris Hemsworth is fighting three guys with, like, machetes. And they all come at him, and he's got a pistol, and he kills them all at no range with a <laughs> pistol. Like, he's, like, grabbing stuff, and he's blocking with a pistol. It's just absurd violence. But it's Chris Hemsworth, so it's great, and it's fun. Uh, pretty good performance from him, too. It's, it's a fun to see a big action movie when the actor actually performs really well. Because sometimes you have a movie like Expendables that is certainly not, like, I wouldn't write home and say Sylvester Stallone's best performance, you know, was from Expendables. It's really not. It's in your face, nonsense action. And I think fight movies, though, they're a little bit more grounded. Once you involve like guns or big action explosions, it becomes less grounded. Yeah. But anything where it's just two people. Beating the crap out of each other. That's potentially a great movie. Have you ever seen uh, Warrior? No. Warrior is another great movie to watch. Uh, Tom Hardy is in it. Anything Tom Hardy does is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, totally drawing a blank on the other actors. There's a bunch of big name actors in there. Essentially, two brothers that haven't spoken to each other in a very long time, both join this MMA fight tournament because they need the money. And uh, one of them just wants to fight. He's ex-military. And his whole s- kind of story of how he saved a bunch of people comes out. But then he, his, his war buddy, I think, got killed during that mission. So he wound up leaving the military when he wasn't supposed to. I forget what that's called. But he runs off, abandons the military, which is... You can go to jail for that for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um. And then joins this MMA tournament, which is like big Las Vegas tournament, and his face is plastered all over the place. So he's trying to like not go to jail, but also wants to be a part of this tournament and win this fight. Only to find out that his brother, who's a high school teacher at this point, uh, is also in the tournament. And the high school teacher's got no money. He gets suspended because he picked up a small fight uh, to get some extra money to pay some bills. Uh, Winds up getting suspended and can't teach. So he's like, fuck it. I guess I have to go in 100% and do this big tournament. And they have to wind up fighting each other in the end. Two brothers that barely speak to each other. Very, very emotional, gritty, fun fight story. Definitely worth a watch if you have the time. Okay. So now you have some homework. You got to watch movie Upgrade. I've been telling you to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got to watch Upgrade. You have to watch Extraction. You have to watch Warriors. Still a lot of violence. About <laughs> six and a half, nine hours of violence there.
1: Well, you know, violence makes for good TV.
0: Yeah, uh, especially too these these movies too that I'm mentioning. It's not just violence. There's good story and character development.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, upgrade is a little more in-your-face sci-fi nonsense, but uh, Warrior is very good character development. Great performances. Um, Rocky is probably one of the best character-developing movies. Uh, yeah. I love fight movies. There's so much potential for them that, you know, when, when a movie comes out and it really exceeds your expectations and you think you're going to just see some cool boxing and you wind up seeing a whole big story for it, it's great.
1: Well, yeah, because in Rocky, honestly, you don't see that you, the boxing is all at the end. You yeah. see that little fight at the beginning, you see him punch a dead cow carcass, and then you see the fight at the end. Yeah. So, I mean, most of the film it. is just character development and story development. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why I didn't get hooked into it as a kid is like, you know, you're just sitting there listening to grown up talk, you know, uh, I yeah. don't get what this movie. <laughs> going to <feel>, like.
0: <laughs> I thought he was going to punch someone.
1: Yeah, that's the uh, exciting part.
0: You just have to wait two hours and he'll <laughs> punch somebody. Don't worry, it'll happen. Uh, you'll appreciate this when you're older. Uh, Which I do. is there any other movies that you watched when you were young and now that you're older you can kind of appreciate it more
1: i'm sure there are i don't know if i can think of them off the top of my head um i know there are some movies i watched when i was younger that i was like should i have been allowed to watch this when i remember (laughs) watching it (laughs) um
0: like what now i need an example
1: um well one I just rewatched recently is uh, Victor Victoria. It's from 1980 um, and it stars Julie Andrews. And the whole thing is actually pretty ahead of its time. It takes place during the Great Depression in France. And Julie Andrews' character, Victoria Grant, is uh, an opera singer. She's broke. She um, auditions at this club. She gets turned down. Um, so she ends up meeting this. Uh, man named toddy who happens to be gay and he's a singer um and he decides, like he figures out that she would be an incredible drag act so this whole time what happens is she ends up she's a woman pretending to be a man pretending to be a woman and she puts on this whole cabaret show she ends up falling in love with this gangster who has all of these like questions like i'm attract. i was attracted To that person as a woman, and now that person took off their wig, and that person is a man. Am I attracted to men? And I like it's like really it gets into all the minutiae of sexuality and how comfort and your self confidence and yeah, it's like a double. And it takes place, you know, during the thirties, you know, in the depression. So like you definitely couldn't be gay back then, you know, all of that. So it I remember watching it as like a young kid and when I didn't understand any of this like sexuality talk and all of that stuff so now that I'm older I'm like well I can't believe I watched it I, <laughs> I mean I feel like I just wanted to watch it because my name was in the title like Victor Victoria but I don't
2: yeah, think, yeah.
1: but I definitely didn't get it when I was a kid for sure
0: yeah that's all that's but that's that's all adult themes right there, for sure. Uh, I can't think of a movie that I watched as a kid. I actually wasn't able to watch movies as a kid uh, during the school week. Uh, so Monday through Friday, just no TV. I would read books, and I hated it. I liked it at the time, and I liked it at first. But it was like, all right, if I read a book a week, can I watch some TV too? Like, I'm still reading. I just don't want to do only reading. My parents were like, no, you're going to be smart.
1: And then you crushed their dreams and went to film school.
0: (laughs) Right. Uh, Well, once I got to, like, high school, uh, my parents, you know, backed off on it a little bit and let me watch TVs and movies and stuff. And as soon as I got into it, it was like, cool, figured it out. Uh, But who knows? I mean, maybe if I had always been able to watch TV, maybe I would have been like, I need this because I never had it. You know what I mean?
2: Mm. Uh,
0: Maybe if they'd never let me read books. I would have grown up and been like, I really just want to read books. It's the thing I can't have. You want what you can't have. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I wish parents would learn that.
0: <laughs> right. Like right now, I want to go outside, but I can't because yeah. COVID. Yeah. So COVID's just parenting us right now. It's just teaching us <laughs> stay inside. <laughs> Fucking pay attention to people that are experts. That's all it is. Yeah. Uh, So, we have our day player today. Our guest for the show is Phil Capadora. He brought a clip from something that he's performed in, he's acted in, called Village Music. Uh, It's his first project that he was an actor on. And we're going to show a little clip, and then we're going to bring him on. We're going to talk to him about the AFC. We're going to talk to him about his clip and the future of the club, the Astoria Filmmakers Club and his movie choice, Rocky. We'll talk about that in a little bit more. We'll do a deep dive on it. Who are you texting? A girl.
3: Mom? Sister?
0: No, 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 it's uh, this girl, Erica.
3: Nice, good looking?
0: I don't know. Actually, I haven't seen her yet. We met online on one of those sites. You're
3: 19.
0: No, I know, but it was a good site. Like we've been talking on and off each day and you know, I got a date with her tonight. Good. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I can tell her everything. She's so easy to talk to, and you know, things work out. Maybe meet her parents. She could be the
3: one. You never know. I know. You never know. Even yeah, I know. Hey guys. Hey Rose. Hi. How are you
2: guys doing? Shh.
1: He shushes for text messages?
3: He shushes for everything. (laughs) So how have you been? Not too bad, no real complaints. It's
2: always good. Can you see if my 11 o'clock canceled? (laughs) Shh!
3: Yeah, sure, just give me a second. I don't know what I'm looking for.
2: I'll show you. All right. Yeah. Alright, it's just computer, schedules, Rose Jalouise. Yeah. Yeah, he cancelled.
3: That sucks.
2: Yep. Now I've got some time to kill, though, before my next lesson. Maybe I'll get some lunch.
3: Or you can just go home and come back at one.
2: Yeah. You could. Alright, I'm gonna go to the bank. I've got some time, so. I'll see ya.
3: Alright. Was it where your spider sense is not tingling? Uh, Was there a glitch in the matrix? I mean, was the force not with you? Alright, listen, nerd. What are you talking about? She likes you, okay? Hi, I'm Rose. Uh, I want to date you, but you're too thick to see any of the signs, you know? She's got a boyfriend, man. They've been dating since high school.
0: I don't know. From what I heard, she's recently single. Thank you, Phil, for bringing in that clip from Village Music. Uh,
3: tell us a little bit about that clip. So that-, that was my first short film. Um, it was a student project done at Orange County Community College in 2009. And uh, that uh, that film was, uh, you know, just like a, it, like, looking back on it now, it was probably the most, like, it was the most authentic feeling I've ever had as an actor because it just felt so like natural the whole time. Uh, I was very new to acting. I only had taken a semester uh, before in acting class, improv class. And uh, when I watched it at the premiere with all the student filmmakers and a bunch of our uh, uh, acting peers, I did not recognize myself uh, on screen. I was so engaged in the story and the way they told the story and seeing me on screen uh i did not i did not even recognize myself it was like i I almost can't even explain it it was like it was like i actually watched a real performance in a sense because i i never knew i could do that
0: that's cool I, i wonder how sometimes actors might feel like does joaquin phoenix get that feeling when he sees himself in the joker does he go is that the Joker or is that just me and some stupid makeup? You know? It's uh, kind
1: of it's, it's surreal watching yourself. Some, some actors hate it. Like Adam Driver refuses to watch anything of himself. He walks out of interviews if they even start playing it. He's but, missing
0: out because Adam <laughs> Driver is a fantastic human being.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I,
0: really I, I don't know. <laughs>
1: I don't know i i I don't mind watching myself. I know sometimes I'm like, "Oh, I could have done that better. I could have done something else, and sometimes watching my previous performances I'm, I you know I get engaged, and that's when I try and remember like what I did right to get completely engaged in in watching my performance. I, I did something that connected really well, but it, that's awesome that you can look back at like your first film and feel that way. That's really cool.
3: Yeah. And uh, just it, like uh, sometimes when uh, people would um, uh, talk about it, cause I still have my friends from college uh, talking about the movie and how it led me to go to acting school immediately after that film, I got accepted into the New York conservatory for dramatic arts the following year. And then I see here, I got my plaque of uh certificate of validation from Harold Baldridge from the neighborhood playhouse in 2012. It's like, uh, I, I could, could actually connect like the foundation of my training and my education, and it just comes full circle to see where I am now. Where it's just like, this, like, it's it's validating in a sense, you know, Victoria.
1: Yeah, I do. Um, so what actually led you to start the uh, Story of Filmmakers Club?
3: The lack of work. <laughs> so, um, uh, it, it came like uh when you come from a very small pond uh, like Orange County and you come here to the big city, you're you're in. You're in the middle of the Atlantic, so every fish is here. Um, everything is here. Um, what we, uh, what me and my friend JJ actually found out is that we don't really like know anybody here. So, like, we're doing everything we can, doing backstage, doing actors' access, trying to find the right work, build our network. But um, over a course, over a course of the last like seven years, uh, there it just seemed to plateau, and it just seemed like now we're not like really. On the mountaintop anymore. Now we're just somewhere in the middle of a valley, somewhere. So we decided to, you know what? Let's just uh, see if we could put up a beacon and maybe attract people to come to us, and then just start start from scratch, completely start over, take all the experience that we learned, and then uh, why not just create our own stuff? We we got the to actually have a little bit more creative control on what we want to actually do. You know, we we know what it's like to do. Uh, the work of other visionaries as filmmakers and writers, we, we, we've, we've, we've served the script. We know how to do that. What can we do to actually now serve our craftsmanship? So that's what led to the Astoria Filmmakers Club, because now this is a way that everybody could actually uh, expand on their craftsmanship in order to get better. And we would do it collectively. Very cool. So it started, it started in August and here we are. Yeah.
0: It's crazy that it started in just August. It's almost coming up on a year. Uh, I only to yeah. come like October, November, I think. Uh, and I remember on day one, you were like, we should start a podcast. And I was like, I'd love to do a podcast. And you were like, all right, you're going to do it. It's all you. Uh, and then I roped in Victoria and we built it up. We were ready to start filming uh, live and in person. And then COVID happened. Yeah. Um, but we adapted. We found a way. And we yeah. are here. Uh, how do you think COVID has affected the AFC? What, is, what, is, what are people doing? Are people still doing things regardless of COVID?
3: Yeah, because uh, the reputation of the Astoria Filmmakers Club is based on getting people better. So people who want to come better, uh, become better. They're finding a way to get in touch with us. And... Uh, most recently, uh, we had somebody who, uh, through my church group, um, she wants to actually do a promotional video on, about her fashion line. So now we're going to be exploring how we could actually tell a story visually um, with fashion as our script and create a story out of that. We act- I actually had a meeting about that about two hours ago.
0: Very cool. Uh, yeah. I've been working for a long time with my buddy about how to, he, he's starting a clothing line. Um, so I'm sure that's very similar, but it's... It's tricky because you want to have the right image. And once you have the right image, you can move forward and do the right thing. But uh, that's pretty cool. Um, people are you know, definitely stuck at home right now, filmmakers. I'm sure there's a lot of people in the AFC or not in the AFC that are sitting around just writing, editing, working on their craft, trying to tell their stories and come up with different ideas. I know Clay is working on a story. Clay is a member of the AFC. He's working on a project called The New Normal and he wants to rope in some AFC people. Uh, There's a lot of people in the club that are working on projects and can really benefit from teaming up with other people in the club because I'm a camera person, but if I have no one film, I'm just a camera guy filming nothing. You know, I can go outside and film a tree, but there's no story there.
3: (laughs) Maybe there is, but. Well, with time lapse, it's just like, uh, did COVID stop this uh, leaf from blossoming? No, it did not. People are the only things
0: affected, you know, dogs aren't, you know, there, there's nature is like improving like there's already like whales in the Hudson or something like that like, oh
3: yeah like uh... Avengers <laughs> Endgame
0: when all the animals and plant life come back in full force
3: yeah just from a couple of years of just uh, human human conflict yeah it puts a lot of things in pers- into perspective because uh we set the rules like uh, as a species even as a nation and more so now as a generation because we're 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 inheriting now everything like uh now it's our t- now it's our turn right well
0: assuming we get through this COVID nightmare uh what is the future for the afc where, where's it going what's the
3: goal for the club the, this is the sustainability of the astoria filmmakers club comes down to those who are members who are the visionaries who want to actually be a part of it um, i'm building something in a way where it's going to be a hundred percent self-sustaining where it could it could run without me involved. Like if I wanna leave something in a machine right here in the heart of Astoria where it could actually run itself and be self-sustaining with all the artists um, within our neighborhood to contribute to it and get out of it to actually enhance their own uh, craft. So if I were to die um, one day and that machine is implemented like it, it cannot move, that, that, that right there is the ultimate goal. I want this to outlive me.
0: Very cool. So you want to build that community. You want to have people working together and uh, creating some cool projects. And regardless if you're alive or not, hopefully you stay alive for a very long time, Phil.
3: I'd like to have some influence while I'm here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so talk to us a little more about your acting career. So you worked on Village Music was your first project. What, what's the name some of the stuff you've done since then?
3: Um, the only thing notable would be "Good Time" by the Safdie brothers. Um, I got a break where I got to arrest uh, Robert Pattinson in the final scene of the film, and uh, it's an ama- it, it was amazing because um, there's no there's no way to become an actor, that famous guy, get your big break. There's no there's no set path. You have to really create your own, and you have to like you know think outside the box, be unique. Um, and I think it was just a bit of a miracle on how I got this break because uh, the guy who was actually supposed to be the arresting officer couldn't show up that day. And I was just a background actor. And uh, it was a reshoot from six months prior uh, to now where we just had to refilm it because it som- something went wrong. But then I was the only guy right then and there available where uh, Ben he uh, ben said, what about Phil? And I got the part. So no real dialogue in that scene. I had a little dialogue of another cop mm-hmm. upstairs, like banging on the door. But nobody knows it was me. And then you had my face now being the arresting officer, uh, putting uh, Robert Pattinson in the paddy wagon and then running to find the dead body of Buddy Duress.
0: You know, eventually the Batman is going to come out and that scene can totally find a way to be intercut with it. And you're arresting Batman.
3: (laughs) I mean, Robert Pattinson, like he's got he's he's taller than me. And um, it would be I, I mean. I, I, I can't wait to actually see now this next generation of Batman, because this goes back to like day one in acting for me in 2008, where we got to see the Dark Knight, that whole series. And it ended with a, like right around with Heath Ledger. And then there was Bane. And of course, yeah, Catwoman. So, I mean, it's just like that whole universe. And, and like for me, I understand the universe of Batman. And now we got now the next generation where it's only like now what? Barely 10 years later. W- what's our next story? because I really thought they were going to be focusing more on Robin, you know, with uh, uh Gordon Lovett. What's his name? Uh, Joseph
1: Gordon Lovett.
3: Joseph, yes. They kind I, of like, painted it that, was... And it was like a thing where,
0: I, I just don't think Christopher Nolan wants to do it. But at the same time, if Christopher Nolan doesn't do it, I don't want it to happen because it's going to be it's, weird. I, I
3: don't, I, I really don't like, because uh, uh, I just watched the new Jane and Silent Bob movie where they're now like really talking about, the reboot effect, where 10 years from now, if we don't come up with something original, there's not going to be anything 10 years from now. So right now we're in a bit of a, we're, we're, I think we're coming into a pit where we literally have to start moving back up out of it. Um, and to their point, the story of Batman has been told. We know the story of Batman and it's immortal. Like we could still watch Val Kilmer as Batman from 20 years ago with Nicole Kidman. And we had like six or seven different uh, takes on Batman, but now we're just getting reboot, 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 reboot batman 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 what about the other people in the universe i really thought they were going to go uh based off something about robin i really thought that would have been a little bit more interesting to kind of like maybe set us up for something 10 years from now yeah well they
0: they did a spinoff for Halle berry catwoman
3: and that was terrible yeah i don't know about that like maybe the story wasn't there but then again i was a teenager and i'm like yeah i love this <laughs> Halle berry and some leather that's all it is uh <laughs> I thought she was fire. Like if you were to have like uh Anne Hathaway versus Halle barry as Catwoman and let two experts on Catwoman go at it, I would really like to listen to that podcast or see like how that fight would end up. I mean, I'm curious to see Zoe Kravitz, is
0: that who's playing the new Catwoman
3: in yep. the Batman? Uh that's going to be really cool. Um I haven't I haven't heard anything about the uh the storyline with Robert Pattinson's uh, next generation of Batman. I don't know about the story, just the cast itself sounds so good that i'm
0: like gonna see this movie whether it's trash or not okay. like matthew mcconaughey is two-face like just fantastic
3: okay now colin farrell is the penguin who colin no. farrell really yeah wow because he played uh he played that bullseye guy in daredevil mm-hmm. once upon a time so him coming yeah. back into the mix where it's just like chris evans was once like uh what's his name the human, human forage yeah, and now he's Captain America. <laughs> so just like just like they're kind of keeping the same actors in a loop, and they're finding the right the the perfect fit for them. Now, Are like you know, now, just hearing Matthew McConaughey, I'm curious. Now I'd like to say. Yeah, yeah. I truly, uh, am. he's uh, like he might be my favorite actor right now. There's who's the other actor? Tim, is it Tim Dano? Tom Dano? Who? Paul oh, Dano. yeah, Tom. He's in Sully. I think I don't know. Are you talking
1: about Paul Dano?
3: Is it Paul Dano? Who played Two-Face,
0: right? No, that's Matthew McConaughey is going to play Two-Face. No, oh, from the old one
3: um, uh, with... Uh...
1: With Val Kilmer? That was Tommy Lee Jones. No, right. no, no,
3: not Val Kilmer. Um, come on, Phil, I know this. With uh, Christian Bale.
1: Oh, Aaron Eckhart.
3: Aaron, I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm thinking of Paul Dano. Uh,
0: he's a young actor. He's been in a couple of things. There Will Be Blood, Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, he is playing the Riddler in the new Batman movie. That's going to be
3: really cool too. Yeah. I said, like, you can't beat Jim Carrey. Like, he...
1: Yeah, but people said you couldn't beat Jack Nicholson as the Joker, and Heath Ledger came out. So I, after that, I have stopped saying, you know, like, that, that, that performance is the be-all to end-all. Because then people were saying that about Heath Ledger, and you got Joaquin Phoenix coming in. Mm-hmm. And so I, I will never, ever again say, this is the definitive performance of
3: this. I think it, it really, honestly, it really separates uh, the expertise on the actor himself because they could perform the absolute understanding on their approach to the character and just focus on that one specific detail. Because what, with what Joaquin did was actually focus on completely on the humanity of the Joker, as well as somebody who has a mental health Disorder. This is the behavior of a mental health disorder, not so much like uh, the, the sociopathic um, cri- cri- uh, criminal psychology of just wanting to see the world burn that Heath Ledger did so well. They specifically had two different approaches, which were just so unique and uh, parallel in a sense, where they actually don't cross other than the image of Joker himself. Mm-hmm. So that that for me was just what I took from it: is that these guys focus on one specific thing about the Joker. And just made it all about that one thing, and that's what made it believable because that is the truth of that kind of behavior.
0: Yeah, I, I love that filmmaking allows people to tell stories in different ways. So you can mm-hmm. take two characters or two stories that are the same, like the Joker, and tell their stories in two completely different ways. Depends on the artist, uh, the artists involved. You know, they're all artists. Christopher Nolan, um, drawing a blank on the name of the guy who made the Joker, but. Basically, two different filmmakers, two different char- or two of the same character, but made very different, and still both phenomenal. Um, I still prefer Heath Ledger over Joaquin Phoenix. I think Joaquin Phoenix did great, but overall, I feel like The Dark Knight's a better movie, if that makes sense. I,
3: I could agree. Um, there were two different generations, though, um, because uh, we saw Bruce Wayne when he was just a kid, and we yeah. saw the guy we saw the guy who was uh, basically uh, the clown that might've inspired the Joker to arise parallel to the youth of Bruce Wayne because they they went toe-to-toe later on. So it wasn't so much about the conflict and the rivalry of Batman versus the Joker. It was really like now what actually kind of like maybe put Gotham City into the direction that created the Joker himself. Yeah. I don't want to see a Joker
0: 2. I just want it to sit on its own as what it is I think doing a joker too would be a little
3: weird. I don't know. Well, I mean, it, I don't know. If you need a billion dollars, they're gonna make a sequel.
1: Yeah.
3: I'm drawing blanks on names, but we just had what Suicide Squad and you got the Joker in that who just has a totally different uh take on the joke of the Joker, where it's just like way too way too uh to the left, you know?
0: Yeah, that I wasn't a fan of Jared Leto's Joker. It was it was too much for me. Um just weird. He had. Grittles. I love the effort, though. Like uh, I loved his commitment. I really do. I mean, dude dyed his hair green. Jared Leto's no joke. He uh, he weirdly enough too. He came out and said he went away for like a meditation retreat or whatever.
2: To and like
0: hit. And when coronavirus hit, he came back to civilization like a week and a half into it, and was like, "What oh, happened? Boy. Like, what did I miss?" <laughs> Because uh, he totally was like without a phone, no technology, just sitting on a rock meditating,
3: very weird. Well as an actor, honestly, I would love the opportunity to try work like that. Um, I don't think I've been challenged as an actor to really explore a character uh, trait that's dy- so dynamic to like who I am, Phil, as a person. And uh, I, I, I would personally like to take a take a shot at the Joker. Maybe not, definitely not now. I'm kind of kind of, kind of young in a sense, but I don't know. I, f- I feel like I want to explore that. Like that's something, that's a challenge I think I would like to try. Find out more about this guy. What, like, what's his behavior and what's, wh- what, like, why is he the villain? Who yeah. is he? I, Cause I love villains. I really do to tell a story only because um, George R. R. Martin uh, really just neutralized uh, hero and villain where it's just like, he might be uh, like Daenerys Targaryen. She might've been sort of like, uh, the villain at the end of the whole game of Thrones, uh, show, but George RR R. Martin actually said to someone else. And that's what co- uh, creates that dynamic. So if ever I were to play the Joker, I would want to find out who is this guy, a hero to.
0: Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it because they say too, that villains are just the heroes of their own stories. Mm. Um, but yeah. So, uh, not that he's a villain, but no, there's a bad segue, but let's talk about your favorite movie, Rocky. Uh, like Rocky.
3: You know, um, I chose, I chose Rocky because of, well, uh, I grew up as an athlete and just like maybe watching, uh, Rocky the night before a big game, just kind of neutralize whatever fear I might have is that just like at the end of the game, I would always just come out still standing. Uh, Even though I probably have bruises all over me, I'll probably get my bell rung, get a concussion that day. But I know that I'm going to be standing at the end of that game. And that really carried me through my entire athletic career. And uh, when I actually like once I actually really learned now about Sylvester Stallone, how that story really um, came to pass and how I could relate now as Phil the actor to Sylvester Stallone. I just have like now a complete rounded appreciation and respect for this guy, you know where I just like really could actually say, you know what, he, he stayed true to himself and he did what he did commit to himself and he didn't sell, he didn't sell out, you know? So even still now, because of that, I I appreciate Rocky even more because that right there and his commitment got him to be where he is today. And he's 50 years in the business and the guy is a beast, you know, he's still in, he just did Rambo like, and again, and he's still in phenomenal shape. And we, and like we just love Sylvester Stallone. And I do. I, I really respect this man.
0: He, he is going to be, and it's not an even exaggeration, uh, in 2026, that'll be his 50 years in the business. Because Rocky was probably his first big movie. And 1976 we're talking about.
3: Which is pretty cool. crazy. And Thank before you. that, it was a little film uh, that is never talked about. But it was called Paradise Alley.
0: Paradise Alley. That's cool
3: yeah Paradise alley. It was uh, it was about three brothers, um, a guy that looked exactly like Marlon Brando, only ridiculously huge, and uh, Armand Desante. three brothers, just kind of stuck going nowhere. Yeah. but it was about wrestling, so they tried to they tried to have a little spin-off of like wrestling.
0: Some people can make their careers because they look like an a-list actor. So like like Elizabeth Olsen looks just like her sisters, so people can relate or remember. I remember the Olsen twins from full house. And then they see this girl that looks almost exactly like you almost feel like you already know the person. So it's Mm -hmm. easy to like that person.
2: Uh, I I was
0: telling Victoria about this movie upgrade. Uh, It's a sci-fi action thriller where this guy gets a microchip planted in his head and the microchip kind of takes control of his body and just runs him around and he does all these crazy things. Mm -hmm. Uh, People should check it out. But the movie is probably the funniest thing about the movie is it came out almost at the same time as the movie Venom with Tom Hardy. Yeah. This guy in Upgrade looks exactly like Tom Hardy, just like a slightly different version of him. Mm -hmm. And they both have voices in their head that are like, I'm going to take control of your body now. And, you know, they run off and do whatever they want. So it's just kind of funny that these movies are so different, kind of telling a similar story with actors that look almost the same. but Upgrade was good, worth checking
3: out. I'm gonna have to watch it. Yeah.
1: Well, Phil, thank you so much for joining us, telling us about the AFC. Thank you for sharing your clip of your work and for having us rewatch uh, rewatch Rocky. I haven't seen it in a long time, so it was good to kind of dive back into that.
3: I mean, you should, if ever you get a chance, like uh, you know, maybe I could share this with you guys really quick because um, I actually have. Um, one of the original scripts and the story was completely different. Hold on.
0: Really? The original Rocky script. Uh, old moldy paper from 70 years ago.
3: Kind of. Um, it's not. No, no. <laughs> so I, I actually looked this up on eBay. I never knew how much it was actually worth because this was a gift to me uh, from a guy named Chris Farlikis. Uh He wrote my letter of recommendation uh, after Village Music to actually go to acting school. And uh, he really just that little encouragement, just that little guy micking your corner, saying you could go the distance, man. Just keep fighting. So uh, he ended up giving me uh, this script as a gift because Sylvester Stallone gave him this copy of of Rocky directly to him as a gift because uh, Chris was a, a journalist uh, for the Times Herald Record for a little over forty years before he passed away in two- and uh, he actually got to interview Sylvester Stallone, and this was uh, Sylvester Stallone's gift to him. And now this was a gift to me from Chris. And uh, honestly, like uh, I, I, I got to meet Sylvester Stallone really quickly on uh, the set of Creed, um, 2015. I was getting nowhere in acting, so I just did every type of background job that I could find. And Creed was one of those jobs, just by word of mouth, saying, "Phil, there's work in Philly. Go." So I did, and I didn't. I completely forgot I had this because it was in storage, but. If there's ever an opportunity for me to actually uh, get in the same room with Sylvester Stallone again, I would very much like his autograph because Mm -hmm. Sylvester Stallone did have his hands on this copy. Very cool. Yeah, man. What a history, man. That's very sweet. Yeah, it truly is, man. And uh, everything is a stepping stone, you know, and um, I don't know what the Astoria Filmmakers Club is going to do for me, but I do believe it can do anything uh, for its members that they want out of it. I truly do
0: cool well phil before you go uh how can people join the afc follow like subscribe all that stuff but how do how do they find us what are the what are the tags what are the websites where, where do they go
3: always start with instagram uh because uh that's the most common used uh Story filmmakers club um if anybody uh, ever dms that they want to know a little bit more i'll just shoot them an email uh from mine or from the support group uh they could always go to afc dot more info at gmail.com somebody will definitely uh, get back to them um, and uh, if not I'll definitely respond personally maybe set up a zoom meeting uh, we'll have a cup of covid coffee and uh, we'll just uh, talk about you know what it is they want and uh, what the afc actually is and maybe how they could actually become a part of it
0: yeah Instagram seems like everybody's way to kind of find it and then people start talking to people and building that community even though we're all locked up behind doors but if you want to find it on Instagram, it's at Astoria underscore filmmakers underscore club.
3: Astoria. And filmmakers club. AFC. And make sure you like and subscribe all the podcasts, because if they do join and become members, we're going to possibly have them as a day player to talk about themselves.
0: Yes. Day player, a.k.a. the guest of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Phil, for being the
3: very first one.
2: Uh, you, guys, you guys
3: are great. You guys are so good. Thank you so much for doing this guys. You're the best. No problem. We'll see you soon. Have a good one.
1: Well, thank you to Phil for coming on and for giving us all the information about the AFC. We're going to post all of his links and everything at the end of the podcast. So you can take a look at his projects for yourself or reach out about joining the AFC. We'd love to have you. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit more about his film choice, Rocky. Yeah. So...
0: we already kind of talked about Rocky a little bit, uh, Mm -hmm. talking about how we watched it as kids and then didn't really appreciate it. I'd seen it a couple of times, but it's also tough because all the Rocky movies, they kind of fit into one cohesive story. So sometimes I watch Rocky 3 or Rocky 2 or Rocky 4, and I'm like, it's all the same. It all fits together. But watching just Rocky singularly as itself, standalone movie, I think was a different experience because I wasn't thinking about it like, all right, there's seven more movies after this. I was thinking of it like, this is the start, this is the finish. What if the story had ended here? That's an interesting concept too of things like movies that, especially now we're spoiled with like the Marvel Universe and stuff. Uh, there's Iron Man and then there's every movie, 20 movies later that have come out since then. Right. Uh, you know, we're, are, are we losing that sense of a movie starting and a movie finishing? and it being over?
1: Uh, I don't think we are. Um, I mean, we still have movies that do that. We just have a lot more now that don't do that. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, used, it used to be one movie. That's it. One movie. That's it. Maybe a sequel here and there. And I, I I honestly don't think when they made the first Rocky that they expected to make have seven sequels come out of it. but you know, and that's the nice thing about watching the first one and the, the one that started it all is you get to see a little bit about why they wanted the story to continue because it is such a compelling story and you want to see what happens to him after he goes the distance with Apollo Creed and, you know.
0: It's you wanna- uh, it's one of the longest-running franchises. It's started in 1976. It's older than Star Wars. Is that right? When was Star Wars? 78?
1: 77, I think, was 77, the first I think.
0: Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pretty crazy that, if you think about it, uh, Rocky is older than Luke Skywalker. <laughs> how long they've been around. Uh, Rocky is a 1976 American sports drama film directed by John G. Avildsen. I don't know if I said that right, but it's written and starring Sylvester Stallone. He wrote it as well. Uh, He got a million-dollar budget for it. And after some advertising costs of 4.2 million, which is crazy that it costs a million dollars to make the movie, but four and a half million to really just tell people about it. (laughs) Uh, It's crazy. So $5.6 million budget in the end, and it brought in 225 million and became the highest grossing film of 1976, which is a, what, like a 90% or what is that? 400 percent return or something like so just a crazy amount of profit on that uh it's very successful there's a reason it spawned six seven sequels um yeah i personally i love the creed movies as well
1: yeah i think you know after a while if the movies are not good they stop making them but i think the nice thing about the interesting thing about the rocky movies is they do eventually take different directions it's not always about rocky there's enough character in these other people that you want to see what happens to the people around him so you know spawning off with the creed movies i mean apollo creed is fascinating character and you want to see you know the other people in his life so follow the story of his son after he he passes away you know people want to see that stuff
0: yeah, I mean, too, the Creed 2 was awesome in terms of, like, they brought back the characters from Rocky IV, um, Drago and Drago's son, and that relationship that they had with Drago's son's mother, I forget her name, um, but it's just such a interesting thing to see the two sons of these two guys that fought in the ring, and one of them died, now they're in the ring, and it's just, it's like a lineage thing, too, people love that, Um I'm sure they're going to make a Creed 3 and wrap it all up in a nice bow as a trilogy, but you never know. Rocky, you know, had six of his own movies before Creed came along.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, We're talking 76, 79, 1982, 1985, 1990, and 2006 were all the different Rocky movies. One, two, three, four, five. And then Rocky Balboa was 2006. And then, nine years later we got the first creed movie in 2015 2018 we got creed 2 um stallone portrays rocky in all of the eight movies and he wrote seven of the eight films which is kind of wild yeah which you know when i think sylvester stallone i just think of him beating the crap out of people and blowing stuff up and boxing and fighting people i don't think of him sitting behind a computer or with a pen and pad you know writing stories that are complex and cool and interesting and really have good character development but it's really cool to know that he's been doing that for almost 50 years
1: that's insane <laughs> yeah.
0: uh it should be noted that we could have gotten a very different rocky as well there were other actors that were considered for the role uh like robert redford ryan o'neill burt reynolds or james khan they all almost played rocky
1: I can't, I mean, obviously now when you see Stallone in it, you can't picture anybody else. And not to say that any of those actors would have given a bad performance or anything because they're all phenomenal, but you just can't see anybody besides Stallone playing that part. And it's just a testament to his confidence. And, you know, it's such a testament to him that he held out and he didn't, say, okay, you can buy the script and put whoever you want in it. He wrote that for himself. Yeah. And he knew himself as an actor, and he was like, this role is mine. I, like, this is, this is what... The role was created for me, created for me, by me. So the only way this is getting made is if I am Rocky. And it's a good thing he stuck to his guns because I don't, I don't know if the film would have had the impact that it has had if anyone else had played
0: that role yeah i'm sure if robert redford had taken on the role at the time too it would have been a great movie but would it have spawned seven sequels i don't know um they're also talking about doing a another movie Mm -hmm. uh, about the life of rocky balboa before the first rocky movie which is interesting like a prequel i don't know if that story should exist we've talked about this before in terms of like That's Rocky's story is him being, maybe it'll show him having a promising boxing future. And then he kind of gives it up to become this like loan shark. And it's just like a tragedy story of how he fell down. Cause Rocky, we see him at the, at his lowest points. And then he kind of rises to the occasion. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe we see the opposite happen in this origin story of sorts. Who would play, who do you think would play Sylvester Stallone's Rocky in the prequel version of a young Rocky?
1: Because they already got Milo Ventimiglia to play his son in Rocky Balboa.
0: Yeah, and that was the worst Rocky movie, so.
1: But, I mean, Milo, I feel like, would have been a good choice.
0: I mean, he's a little older now, too. Maybe, like, he could just do that and they just make fun of it. Like, basically, he... Oh, like, it's crazy how many punches that this guy took, and now he looks like Sylvester (laughs) Stallone.
1: I think maybe one of the smartest choices they can do is just instead of trying to put a name to it because people are gonna people are gonna want to see it it's a rocky movie people will pay money to see it um so one of the advantages they have with that is instead of getting a big name for the lead role of rocky they can get a lesser known actor who actually looks and portrays the character much better. You know, instead of having to be locked into that, we need a big name to sell this film, which is constantly an issue. um, You know, they they actually have a little bit more freedom there. Whether they take it or not is, you know, yet to be seen. But
2: you bigger names
1: in, you know, as a young, because you've got the whole history with Mick and how, you know, he said, you know, Mick wasn't around for him when he was young and up and coming and all that. You can get a bigger name for a young Mick and do that oh that's a good, of-
0: that's a good fan cast too who, who would play young mick oh, I- be like you could have been a fucking fighter rocky <laughs> come, at him. come yeah. at him hard and then he abandons him and mick is like broken because he's given up on this great life he could have had
2: mm-hmm.
0: as a fighter uh i mean there's a number of talented actors out there I, I feel like if we're gonna see a rocky origin story he had to have been like 25, 30 the events of rocky give or take
1: he was 30 i think he actually says it in in the film
0: so i mean if we're gonna see a young version of him i imagine it's something like maybe we see him coming up as a teenager and we kind of see him into his early 20s and stuff maybe in his prime of when he would have been a you know a great fighter or a great boxer mm-hmm. uh who knows i mean that you know who knows the state of affairs too because this was just something that hit news July twenty nineteen now in this current state of affairs maybe Stallone's sitting at home writing it out because of coronavirus he's got the time yeah uh who knows what he's up to i see him on instagram every once in a while uh he's got three beautiful daughters a lovely wife and he's probably sitting at home and just hanging out you know i saw him watching tiger king and they all dressed up as different characters from tiger king which is kind of funny oh god (laughs) Uh, the peak of cinema right there tiger king tiger king Uh, But who knows what's going on with everything with COVID and all that. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure people are sitting at home writing. And that's probably a good thing to do.
1: I gotta say, you know, with COVID-19 and and all of that, and, you know, writing myself, I'm having a hard time motivating myself to write, especially because a lot of the stuff I'm working on right now happens to be heavier subject matter. So it it makes it a little hard to want to deep dive into it. But some people, it might be their outlet, you know, during this whole thing they say you know during the plague in in the 1600s um Shakespeare when he was stuck inside he wrote King Lear yeah so you know you never know what's actually gonna come out of this um I don't think anyone should feel pressured into uh you know being productive during this time but if you can go for it you know
0: if you need to do it I mean mm-hmm. it depends on how you deal with it I'm personally getting through the quarantine by making this podcast
2: mm-hmm.
0: and playing all the video games that I have. So, yeah. replaying all the video games that I have. Uh, yeah. I recently saw someone ask the creators of the show Black Mirror, which is a very crazy show,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: when they would be working on season six. And they're like, We're not doing it. it there, there's no market right now for a show about societies collapsing in different ways. Yeah. And they're just straight up like, It's too bleak right now. <laughs> like, no one wants to fantasize about the world falling apart while the world is falling apart.
1: Fair. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely fair.
0: You have movies like Batman and Superman, and all these, you know, superhero movies where there's global catastrophes happening. I don't want to hear about that when there's actual global catastrophes going on. Mm-hmm. And yet there's some people that are going to watch movies about virus outbreaks right now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, well, that's, when I was playing through Spider-Man at the beginning of this, I was like, why on PlayStation four, why am I playing this game right now? Because that essentially was what's happening in New York, except for the fact that Doc Ock wasn't the reason for it, you know? (laughs) So it's, But it was, there's a viral outbreak and I'm playing through it and I'm seeing people walking around, like as I'm swinging through the city of Spider-Man, I'm seeing people walk around with masks on and, you know, signs posted everywhere about protecting yourself from the virus. And then I played Vampire, which again is the same thing. It took place during the 1918 epidemic. So I feel like...
0: You're just going down the wrong road.
1: I think I am.
0: (laughs) I, I did do a little bit. I played The Last of Us again, which is just basically... There's a deadly virus, and it's turning everyone into savage, rabies-filled monsters of sorts. And what's the other thing I watched? Uh, I watched the movie World War Z, which is literally the plot of it. It's just Brad Pitt walking around going, the virus, we don't know how it works. And I'm (laughs) the only one that can stop it for some reason. I'm going to go all around the world to different countries, and zombies are just going to chase me everywhere. And I'm Brad Pitt.
1: (laughs) And I'm Brad Pitt.
0: (laughs) I'm Brad Pitt. That's what he says at the end of the movie. I'm Brad Pitt, and the credits roll. Uh, great movie, mm-hmm. great great games, great content to kill your time. Uh, but if that kind of stuff isn't your thing right now, uh, just get to writing. Get to you know putting ideas down on paper. Join the AFC. Talk to some people about your ideas. If you have a cool script idea, I'm sure posting it in the Facebook group and saying, "Hey, I have this great idea." Uh, would love to work on it with somebody, at least in a pre-production fashion, at least until COVID blows over and then maybe we can actually film it. You never know. Um,
1: well, speaking of, you know, projects during COVID, we have that giant list of all of those TV and film projects that got postponed.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: All of this loveliness.
0: Courtesy of Variety.com, all the shows and movies shut down or delayed because of coronavirus. The list goes on. It starts with TV. Uh, we see HBO, Succession and Barry. Mm-hmm. Netflix is The Witcher. Hulu's The Handmaid's Tale. Amazon has this $900 million budget for the Lord of the Rings series they're trying to put together.
2: Mm-hmm. And they had just
0: stopped. I-, I think they had already started shooting in New Zealand. And New Zealand is, I think, the safest place on the planet in terms of coronavirus. Yeah. Um, they have, like, the least cases because they're kind of this island off the coast of nowhere. And they're not, as soon as it was, like, a thing, they, like, shut down. Yeah. So they, that's probably the safest place to be. But at the same time, they're taking it easy. They don't want to get back into production. And then everybody gets sick. So mm-hmm. um, there was an untitled Goonies pilot, which I want to know more about.
1: Well, it's interesting with, like, seeing the list of all of the projects that got postponed. You see stuff that you didn't hear about, and you're like, wait, wait, they're working on that? I didn't know about that. (laughs) Like, the Goonies thing is a surprise, completely surprise.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know the show Superstore. I'm a fan of that show. Uh, I'm curious what they're going to do, because they stopped, like, mid-season filming it. And Mm -hmm. I know the main actress, she just got pregnant so if they come back and one episode to the next she's like six months more (laughs) pregnant it's going to be like really awkward and weird so they might have to delay it even further because of that I have
1: a feeling they'll just employ the typical she's going to be holding something heavy in front of her stomach kind of a thing that they do whenever women get pregnant on tv
0: it's a supermarket thing. it's a show about working in a superstore so basically she could just be holding boxes and she works behind a desk a lot too so you never know I'm sure there's a workaround but Uh, there's also the shows from Marvel, Loki, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision. Um, I believe, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was pretty much done shooting, but post-production is even hard too, because all these people were working from home. Uh, usually they have offices to go to, to edit at. Mm -hmm. Um, pre-production of some of the other shows has probably fallen off a little bit. WandaVision was probably in the middle of production. So who knows how far that was. Loki had started filming. So I know that's cut off for sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's better if it cuts off before you start filming. Uh, cause then you can just kind of be like, all right, we're going to take off as soon as we're ready. Right. But if you're two weeks, three weeks into filming, that's a bad time to all of a sudden just step in and say, Hey, we're going home coming back later.
1: Well, cause you have the potential of not being able to use any of the footage that you just shot. There is that potential when you take that long of a break of, you know, things getting, life getting in the way, things getting in the way. Is anything happening to where you just can't use any of that footage? I mean, knock on wood, hopefully that doesn't happen for any of these productions, but that's definitely a fear for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. Speaking of fear, Fear of the Walking Dead has also been delayed. The Walking Dead has been delayed. Uh, there's so many spin off shows to The Walking Dead now. I think there's two. Uh, there's another one that's being in the works too, of like a kids version believe it or not, there's like a I bunch of I kid you not, so it's basically like a tween drama, right, but uh, also with the devastation of zombies happening,
1: they have to stop, just yeah. stop,
0: so it's like, pick a genre, you know, just be in, be in the genre you're in, if you want to tell different stories about a group that isn't the main core group of The Walking Dead, cool, tell the stories about these young kids, but don't make it like a tween drama, you know, keep it you still want to see the walking dead what it is uh but that show i feel like i have i've fallen off that show i haven't watched that in a really long time yeah me neither um there's just so many if, if you look we're gonna post the link for this so you guys can check it out it's basically oh there's a show on tv yeah it's delayed <laughs> basically everything lauren or svu delayed the flash s delayed superman and lois delayed
1: I mean, eventually we're going to get to a point where there's nothing new for the first yeah. time in a long time. The Besides price like, is
0: right is delayed. Yeah. How do you delay the price is right? Come on.
1: We're just going to get back to a bunch of reruns and there's, I mean, but even though there's nothing new, uh, there's so much content that people just end up getting sucked into things that they didn't have time for before.
0: Yeah. Like really cool filmmaker podcasts that just started out.
1: Exactly. (laughs)
0: Uh there's also all the you know, late night hosts or hosting shows from home. Mm -hmm. Uh Saturday Night Live. I know they did one episode at least of from home type of an episode.
2: Mm -hmm. All the
0: Zoom and all these weird skits and stuff. Uh let's see if we can get down to the movies. There were a couple of pilots that were being worked on that all just had to shut down right in the moment. Um, movies. The Avatar sequels were all being filmed. I think they're filming them all sequentially, together. Uh, that got shut down. The Matrix Four was like a week into production. I think, and then they shut down, which is the worst because basically that whole week is just who knows if that can even be used. You know,
2: yeah.
0: uh, Keanu Reeves gets a haircut and suddenly got to refilm the whole thing that kind of movie can probably afford to change his hair and stuff but
1: i have a feeling they'll be able to bounce back from any um, aesthetic changes that keanu reeves decides to do but <laughs> i think that movie'll be okay
0: yeah i mean everybody's it's- gonna it's- see the matrix 4 i'm just upset because now i've also heard that because keanu reeves had the matrix 4 and he had john wick was it also john wick 4
1: I think so.
0: They were going to come out on the same day. And now they won't because one's production has been delayed further than the other one or something like that. But that would have been my Keanu Reeves hangout day. Whatever. The Batman, that's upsetting. I know they were mid-shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, Jurassic World Dominion. That's a big one. A lot of that's green screen stuff, though. So that, those type of movies might be on on the move sooner. Uh, if we're starting to reopen and stuff like that, those type of movies will be easier to do uh, just in a studio with a green screen. Tis possible.
1: Yeah, depending on what guidelines and stuff they, they put in place for safe filming during social distancing and all of that fun stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, Shang-Chi, which is a new Marvel movie that's coming with uh, primarily Asian cast, which is really cool. Uh, he's basically Bruce Lee, but with superpowers. And the director wasn't feeling well, so they postponed the whole production pretty early on. Uh, the Little Mermaid getting a live action remake from Disney. Didn't even know about that one. Uh, that's,
1: you don't remember I all the controversy about them picking a non white Ariel?
0: Oh, yeah. That is true. Yeah. Get over it. She's a mermaid
1: right thank you. <laughs>
0: she lives in the ocean, she could have been purple. Nobody knows.
1: But mermaids are white, mermaids aren't real people. Yeah, so.
0: mermaids are drawings.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> guy had a fantasy one night and he was like, What if girls had fins? Give me a break.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, Peter Pan was getting another movie because that really was necessary. Um, <laughs> all these, movies too, who knows what's gonna happen uh, with all these movies. Some of them might be taking such a financial hit, investors getting caught up in coronavirus. They might be pulling out. They might be saying, I don't have the money for this anymore. And there goes all their finances. So who knows, when we come out of COVID, all these movies that are getting delayed, it's not just like everything's on hold and we're going to come out and it's just going to be back to normal. Some of these movies might fall to the wayside. Probably not all the bigger ones that we've been mentioning, but all the ones that I'm skipping over, things that people have never heard of, you know, that are new projects untitled elvis project you know
1: well that one's not gonna that's the one that tom hanks was working on
0: oh i mean if tom hanks is involved yeah yeah
1: so i think that one'll be fine but i do know what you're saying
0: <laughs> i mean who knows uh I'm, i think the real struggle is going to come in with the indie film making industry yeah. where all these indie filmmakers who've been getting by by the skin of their teeth who you know, put like $3,000 together and make the best film that they can make for that. Those are the people that are going to struggle the most because they're just all their resources and anything they could have squeezed out of life to get their film made because they really have to push to do it. Mm -hmm. Now Now you have to consider like, what if somebody gets sick on my film set and, you know, catches coronavirus and then blames me because I asked them to come along as a favor to do this film. And now all of a sudden it's like, you know, it makes it really difficult because, you know, even like when you see like Lionsgate put out a giant PDF of some of their safety precautions they're going to take, like you're going to have to do a little test before you can come on the lot type of stuff every day.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, indie film sets, anything smaller than a massive Hollywood production, you can't do that. You just don't have the time. You don't have the uh, resources to make that happen. So it's going to be really tough on the f- indie filmmaking industry. And I feel like the indie industry was kind of coming up a little bit because it was so accessible and easy to get certain equipment it used to be really difficult to get a high-end camera and now you can probably get one that's at least passable or at least can get a really great image for a couple thousand bucks Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and you know now that all those things are accessible and people might have them you still can't make the movie now
1: there's just no there's no margin of error on an indie film set you don't have the time or the financial resources to be able to shut down and and take your time with filming and because a lot of times on indie films you know people people are taking a pay cut to do them if you can even afford to pay them at all depending on the resources to expend to extend for as long as you would need to and to take your time and you know split up the the crew so that you have enough social distancing and there's just no margin of error which is the scary thing like it it's just it's been running on rails straightforward for so long and now it it had to hit the brakes so hard I don't it's going to be interesting to see how the indie film industry kind of pulls itself out of this
0: yeah um segue into our next thing because there's new industries still coming out of the woodwork, who knows how it's going to be affected by COVID. But Robert De Niro is launching his own film studio. Uh, he bought a lot in Astoria, in Astoria, Queens, called Wildflower Studios for seventy-two million uh, dollars. This was a little while ago, but they're still putting it together. They said their construction was going to start in the summer. I'm sure that's not going to happen right now, mm-hmm. but you know, while they're still making it tougher for small indie companies to do anything, COVID is, you know, probably not going to stop Robert De Niro from making this lot eventually.
1: I don't think he's wanted, he's wanted to do that for a long time. I forgot he bought, um, or tried to buy, uh, land down in Brooklyn to create a studio like years ago. And that fell through. And I know he's been wanting to do this for a really, really long time. So I have a feeling it will eventually go through it just might get delayed a little bit but it'll happen
0: who knows what kind of movies he's gonna put together too uh i mean robert de niro when you think about him you don't think about his weird movies but he has done a couple weird movies um like bad grandpa or that wasn't him that was something else wasn't it
1: uh was that the one with um what's his name from high school musical
0: with Zac Efron. Not Bad Grandpa, but it's something similar. Bad Grandpa is with Johnny Knoxville. Okay. But Robert De Niro did a movie where he's like an old man and is trying to party during spring break with his grandson or nephew or something like that, who is Zac Efron, and Aubrey Plaza is involved, and it just gets weird. Anytime Aubrey Plaza is involved, it gets weird pretty fast. (laughs) So... I forget what movie it is. Let's, let's find it. I'm curious now. Dirty grandpa. So Dirty close. Grandpa.
1: So grandpa's still in the title.
0: <laughs> grandpa's still in the title. What, what a break off. I, I'm sure he was just like, I just want to do a weird movie because taxi driver, good fellas, the Irishman, Joker, Godfather part two. He was in Godfather
1: part two. Yeah. He played it know. a young um, Don Corleone back in Italy.
0: Really? I why don't I remember that? That's crazy. Now I got to watch all the Godfather movies. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> Raging Bull, Casino, you know, and then Dirty Grandpa. You know, what what a what a turn. <laughs> Bronx Tale. Uh you know, just somebody who's put out all such big quality movies over the years. It, though it might not be my favorite movies. Uh I do love some of them. Mhm. You know? I'm sure that this studio is going to put out some bangers, some really great movies and possibly also provide a lot of us actors and filmmakers in the Astoria area with jobs, which would be great, especially after COVID, but I'm sure that this site will not be built for a little while. Probably going to take a minute. Uh, I would imagine that if they, if they had been able to start in the summer construction, it's probably going to take a year to build a whole film studio.
1: Well, and it's, Probably it might take even longer than that. It might just be building it like piecemeal, like getting one section ready to go so that they can start making money back and then keep building the rest of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you got Robert De Niro money though, you can do it however quick or slow that you want.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So he could say, I need it done in six months and it'll be done. If he says, I want it done, but take your time. I don't care if it's ready in five years because I'm Robert De Niro. I can do whatever the fuck I want that's also going to be fine too.
1: I mean, you also got to think that Robert De Niro is not a spring chicken as we saw with the Irishman, so mm.
0: he he's might so want to get it
1: done sooner rather than later.
0: <laughs> yeah, some of those Irishman scenes are a little rough because he's supposed to be like a 30-year-old guy in some of those scenes, and he stands up, and he's like,
1: you're all right
0: here, I up," <laughs> And he's like struggling, and you're like, I know he looks like he's supposed to be 30, but he's moving around like he's 70. Yep. And uh, I remember seeing an interview where they actually talked about that, and it was kind of funny and awkward because they had to go to Robert De Niro and be like, "You're not 70 in this shot. <laughs> you got to get up with a little spring to your step." And he's like, "All right, hold on. Let me just de-age my body. Like, the fuck <laughs> you want to do?" Uh, but yeah, hopefully that studio does still come together. I'm sure that they're experiencing the delays just like anybody else.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh you never know what kind of movies are going to get spawned out of this COVID stuff going on. Uh, Our last current event of sorts is a list of five movies that came out of the 1930s during the Great Depression.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. So we were talking too about the possibility of like what movies in a hundred years from now, are we going to look back on that we're like, oh, remember remember coronavirus? Remember all those movies that came out during coronavirus? Remember those? <laughs> uh, so I'm wondering if there's gonna be like a weird podcast in the future that people are watching and it's just holograms of people talking about movies.
1: I mean, some of the movies that came out during the Great Depression were, are some of Hollywood's biggest movies of all time. Yeah. I mean, Gone with the Wind. That movie was huge. Wizard of Oz. The Adventures of Robin Hood, I think, for the longest time—I don't know if it still holds this this title—but um, was the most expensive movie to ever be made. If you look at if you look at the budget, they had a million-dollar budget or something insane for 1930 during in the 1930s for during the Depression. So if you put the inflation into it and what it would cost today, it was a ridiculous amount. So for the longest time, that yeah. was the most expensive movie to ever get made.
0: Our movies, at one point or another, too, I'm sure that the filmmakers had to feel a little guilty when they were like, all right, we have this massive budget. It's the biggest budget film ever made so far. The year is 1930-something. And there's millions of people dying in the streets. But we can really make this Robin Hood story stand out. (laughs) They got to think, like, "Mm, maybe we could buy a million loaves of bread, you know? (laughs) Nobody thought. (laughs) Uh, But still pretty crazy all the quality movies that came out of this really dark time snow white and the seven dwarfs one of the oldest disney movies out there which was their
1: first full-length color feature film
0: that's pretty wild Mm -hmm. because i think snow white i don't think something from 1937 you know i I, any of the old disney movies too i think of them like maybe the 80s or 90s they came out and then you're like oh no snow white 37 Mm -hmm. holy shit (laughs) uh but that's pretty wild the only other movie on the list is the invisible man came out in 1933 i think that's the oldest one
1: and they made a remake of already with uh, elizabeth moss
0: (laughs) yeah but was that is that the same idea same concept i feel like the newest one was like a horror movie
1: the original one was a horror movie
0: was it i never saw it i mean it's
1: 1933 so there actually there was a thought for a while um of taking all of the universal classic horror movies, Dracula, Frankenstein, Invisible Man, um, and redoing them in current uh, and kind of almost releasing like a Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of the way they did.
0: Um, Are you referencing The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen?
1: I am not. (laughs) (laughs) I am not referencing that film. I'm saying what they wanted to do was like remake all of these great titles from the thirties and set them in present day, but it didn't work out so well. They did a Frankenstein. I don't know if it was the same um, uh, idea or people behind it, but they redid Frankenstein with um, Aaron Eckhart and that didn't go over very well.
0: Yeah. Uh, They attached a bunch of big names after that though. And they said like, we have Johnny Depp playing G- the I think he was the Invisible Man, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell Crowe was going to be Jacqueline Hyde
2: mm-hmm.
0: or something like that. Like they, they had a really big cast and then I think Johnny Depp hit some uh, very public drama with his wife Amber Heard and Frankenstein didn't do too well and you know it's just kind of fallen to the wayside. I haven't heard anything else about it.
1: No, I mean because the, the idea kind of stopped but The original Invisible Man from the 30s was from, like, that whole universal, like, horror genre, the original Frankenstein with Boris Karloff and all that stuff. But but that just goes to prove that sometimes you can't, it was perfect for the time it was made in. And if you try and update it now, it's not going to be as impactful. (laughs) You know, I, I, I think they should leave well enough alone. I think they did a good job with The Mummy in the late 90s and early 2000s. Let it leave it at that. Let
0: it go. <laughs> yeah. So, sometimes if there, there's going to be reboots. People are going to reboot things, but you have to update it for the times in the proper way. If you try to make it, you know, the same way as it was, it, it can be rocky because the times are different. You're telling a movie that should have existed 50 years ago and it just doesn't make any sense now. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's a little tricky. But you know, you never know what's gonna hit. Some people are gonna respond well to different movies. Yeah. Um Rocky certainly stands out because it came out of nowhere. I don't think people were expecting a big boxing movie like that. And it kind of changed the game a little bit. Uh, I don't know what movies are gonna come out of this time period. In a hundred years from now, are people gonna look back and say, oh, remember? I don't even know what came out.
1: Trolls World Tour.
0: <laughs> Trolls World Tour. <gasps> a piece of cinematic history that we all remember hmm Uh you know, a couple other movies that came out and just got crushed because of the box office shutting down, like bloodshot with Vin Diesel. Um Mulan was about to come out, Black Widow was about ready to come out. So it's a little tough. Uh all these movies are getting delayed, pushed back. They're gonna lose money. People are gonna stop giving money towards movies because they're gonna be like, Look, non essential. Movies are great, but they're not essential.
1: Well, I don't, I don't think the major major Hollywood will ever hit that.
0: Yeah, it's stuff around the indie indie filmmakers. We got to stick together. We have to band together, mm. and you know maybe there should be like a club, or a group, mm. uh, a bunch of filmmakers in the Astoria area should come together, unite, mm. and uh, oh shit, you know what? There's the AFC, there's the Filmmakers Club, the Astoria Filmmakers Club. Oh, that's so crazy. I wasn't even thinking about it. Oh my God, that's (laughs) why.
1: And on that note, thank you to Phil Capadora, our day player for joining us today, giving us a little insight into his journey as an actor, how he came to found the Astoria Filmmakers Club and bring to you such amazing content such as the AFC podcast.
0: Um,
2: And
1: thank you for suggesting the film Rocky for us today too.
0: Yeah, thank you, Phil. Uh, Make sure you guys... Stay tuned for future episodes. Like, comment, subscribe, all that jazz. And we will see you guys next time.